Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to this Monday, January 30th edition of the Old Dominion Libertarian Radio Network. I'm Joe and Rusty, surrounded tonight by Jeffrey Sanford and Jeff Klebb, and Andy Craig will be here momentarily. So how are you guys tonight? I'm fine. How are you? Good evening. Yeah, doing great, Joe. Nice to hear your voice. How's it going? It's going pretty good, considering... All the things that are going on in this country right now. Uh, neither one of you have been detained at any airports, have you? I have not. I learned a long, I learned a long time ago. Don't go to any airports unless you, unless it's absolutely necessary. I, I prefer to drive. It's less than 24 <laughs> hours. I drive. I agree, but I did run around in my front yard holding a rifle, yelling "Aloha, snack bar," and nobody noticed. <laughs> you must live in Virginia. <laughs> well, and Andy Craig is joining the program, so Andy, how's things going tonight? 
Oh, going pretty well. Uh, here in a couple of days, we will be graced by the presence of the president in Milwaukee. I what saw your you? post about they they they've they've narrowed it down to two sites: the fairgrounds and the Harley Davidson Museum. And what was what was your comment about that? Because it was really funny. Oh yeah, no, something about you know that's where we keep our freak shows and where we showcase our our noisy and dangerous things. <laughs> Your freak show. <laughs> yeah, I they've got the big museum here for for Harley. Um, I haven't actually been to it myself, but uh, it's a it's a big thing here. I mean, it's those are both plausible locations to pick for something in Milwaukee, but yeah. <laughs> Well, before we bring our guest on tonight, who, by the way, is Randy Weissman, he's a libertarian running for Florida governor, I want to get your guys' opinion on the first week and a half of Donald Trump's presidency. Now, Andy, I'm going to start with you since you were the last one to get on. Um, So uh, I kind of know, but our listeners don't. So you tell me what you think. Uh I think he's already proven that impeachment would be justified. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that they will um that they will have enough votes to impeach him? Oh, not anytime soon. Though I do think uh, I I this is a prediction I make. A year from today, it will be more seriously discussed by people higher up than ever happened under uh, Bush or Obama. Okay. Well, I mean, I my concern, and I and I'm sure you thought of this also, and I see this a lot on Facebook, is that you know Trump needs to be impeached, but then what? Then you get tense. Well, <laughs> on on the one hand. I mean, not necessarily. Pence could go, too. But even if if you didn't, uh, Pence is awful, but this isn't about policy. I mean, Pence is not mentally unstable. Pence is not enthralled to a bunch of fringe weirdo advisors. Pence is not, you know, incompetent at executing the basics of governance. Um, and that's all aside from how awful I think he is on a lot of most policy questions. And, you know, Paul Ryan's next in line, and he's not a whole lot better. Um, but, I mean, I do think Trump is unique in that manner. I mean, I think Bush and Obama folks did things that justified their impeachment. But I think Trump has just already demonstrated that he's not even competent to do the job aside from policy questions. Okay. All right. Uh, Jeff, your turn. Well, it's only some things with Trump. I understand the sentiment behind what he's doing, but I don't always think it's the right path to take. And if he continues on this trajectory, a lot of the Republicans will probably impeach him. But, you know, if things get better, I don't know how that's going to happen, but if things get better, um, you know, he might be able to pull a rabbit out of his hat. It's just too early to tell. I can't judge him after one week. I honestly can't. 
I, I know I, I just don't I don't know what he's gonna do. You think, oh, he wouldn't do that and then he seems like he might be doing something right, but then he goes on Twitter and he seems to respond to attacks by everybody when he ought to just let it go. But yeah. he's you know, in a his, Twitter his, war with the Pope right now. I mean, well, I mean, he should have just ignored the post. Uh, I mean, the crazy stuff he posts on Twitter just off the cuff without any, you know, thinking about what he's saying. I mean, that's not something that we can have as the president. I mean, it's just uh, that that concerns me because he says something off the cuff and crazy and then feels obligated to stick to it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, see, one of the things one of the things that I have said, um, and I was discussing this with somebody yesterday, is that Trump made a lot of promises on the campaign trail, and I genuinely believe his supporters thought he was going to follow through with it because he was not beholden to anybody. You know, he wasn't a career politician. He'd never really been in politics before, other than the fact that he bought and sold politicians like they were cheap liquor but um you know other than that um he's you know they thought he's going to live up to this and then on his first day after being elected he says you know they're chanting lock her up lock her up lock her up and he says well no we're not going to do that she's been through a lot and the clintons are really good people and you know and so all of these people started saying, wait a minute, what's going on here? What's going on here? He's backing down on so many things. Mexico's not going to pay for the wall, this and that. So I think all of a sudden he's decided, well, i got to do all these policy things that I promised right now, and he's just rushing through them. Mm. Now, I could be wrong, yeah, I but... Um, I think that is part of the dynamic. Um, but I think another another thing that I was listening to the Reason podcast earlier, and I think Catherine Mangu Ward made this point. Um, this struck me as very true. There was a lot of people saying exactly that that oh, uh, you know, in a in a oh, he would never really do that sort of way, defending the extreme things he was saying, and the whole deal with the immigration and, and the, the border crossings border. Kind of shows that when he that no that we can't count on that when he says something specific, he may well mean it pretty literally and intend to do it um, and attempt to do it. Um, but I do think you're right that they felt a bit of a political rush to try to deliver on some stuff. Um, but then on the other hand, the things he's being limited, you know, the things you cited that he hasn't done are the things that he probably couldn't do even if he tried. Like, it's unlikely that he could actually prosecute Hillary Clinton and get away with that and have it go through and, and all the rest of it. Um, it's unlikely that he could make, you know, I mean, I, I still, there's still no, nobody has any clue how the hell Mexico is supposed to be made to pay for this wall. Um and so, but he, but the, but the specific things that he does have power to do, or at least can assert the power to do and get away with, um, I think he's gonna he's gonna do it. I think Steve Bannon is uh, basically off the leash. Yeah. Well, before I go to Jeffrey, I want to say one thing. You talked about 
Hillary Clinton and you didn't think he would be able to do that. Well, the day he came out and said, we're not going to do anything with Hillary Clinton, and I posted on Facebook, ha-ha, look at that, I told you so, and all of the Trump people said, well, he realized that it would be better to just let the FBI do it than for him to get involved. And so that's what he's doing. And my response to that was, well, let's assume for a moment that that's the case, that that's what he's doing. What he should have done is he should have come out to the public. Instead of saying that she's a great person and her husband's great and she's been through a lot, he should have come out and said, folks, I did a lot of thinking about Hillary Clinton between the last debate and today, and I've realized that it would be better if we let the FBI handle this and we let the other law enforcement agencies who are looking into this handle it, because there's not a whole lot I can do. And upon reflection, I shouldn't have said that. And he would have had a Mm. lot more respect from people if he had done that instead of just pretending like he never said he was going to put her in jail, which is what he said to somebody in an interview. I never said that. And then they played him the, they played him the clip where Hillary Clinton said, if, Do- if Donald Trump was president right now, and he cut her off and said, if I was president right now, you'd be in jail. And I remember that, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and they played him that, and he's like, uh, 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 well, we're going to make Mexico pay for the wall. You know, he just went on to something else. So, um so Jeffrey, well, the tariffs what do you are going to be paid for by the the, par- the tariffs are going to be paid for by the United States because that's going to be paid for by us. And that's meanwhile, a tax increase we give, that every Republican could love. Right, we give Mexico hundreds of millions of dollars in foreign aid when we have a debt. They have we have a huge debt and a deficit, and they've got a, a surplus. And then they shed their surplus labor to come here. And then when people are here, whatever they make. When they compete with Americans for jobs, whatever they make, they turn around and send back home. We're getting screwed three different ways from Sunday. So it's no wonder Trump is so popular in that regard, even though he's not offering the right solution. But people are are really angry. But um, we've established a precedent over the last eight years with Obama about the pen and the phone. Well, now all these people that were all great about Obama having the pen and the phone, now they're all mad because Trump has the pen and the phone. Well, people believe in growing the power of government as long as their guy is in charge. And then when somebody else is in charge, oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, he can't do that. Well, you know, the die has been cast. And, you know, yeah. it, it started off with, when Bush did the Patriot Act and the NWAA and all, or the, what is the NWAA? NDAA, yes. And when he did that, um, you know, everybody was all up in our, the Democrats were all mad and then Bush did it. And then uh, the Republicans were all happy. And then when Obama came in and doubled down on it, well, now all the Democrats are happy that he had all this power, and then the Republicans are mad. And then now we're switching to reverse, and people don't understand. They think that their party can run a bad program better than the other party, and it'll all be okay. And you'd think the American taxpayers and the citizens would wake up to this, but apparently not. Yeah. Well, we've got to get to our guest in just a second. So, Jeffrey, what are your thoughts? All right. Uh, you know, it's hard to sum up in a couple of statements, uh, you know, what my thoughts are about the first two weeks of Trump. Um, I would say that uh, it's brilliant, twisted, and revolutionary. I mean, he's taking it's, liberties. It's what? He's taking brilliant, twisted, and revolutionary. 
Oh, twisted. I thought you said brilliant Christian and revolutionary. Okay. Twisted. He's taking liberties with his transition, like getting rid of the whole State Department, uh, sort of uh, everybody he could in terms of the leadership of the State Department, and then issuing this uh, edict about people coming and going. And it didn't say it uh, applies to green card holders, and then pulling that off the table. He's, uh, I, I think he's playing a, a major game of chess with uh, not just the Democrats, but with the, you know, anybody who has an idea about the political system that we live in and what it should be, what it is, and what, how he's planning on, on running his presidency. I mean, he's, uh, he's, um, he's doing some amazing things. Uh, uh, the wall came up first. And, you know, and then, and then he got busted on that. You know, they came up pretty clear, it seems like uh, everyone is, is aware that the wall is getting paid for by American taxpayers in terms of higher product prices. So, it, he, boom, he, he failed on that. Uh, and now he, 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 he throws this over. Here. Now, an interesting thing is the way he's changed the makeup of the National Security Council to take our, our some top military people off and put some top political people in their previous and uh and bannon are on there now now i, I want to hear what andy's got to say about that later in the show i know we got a short show i can't go on too long but i do think that um that he's he, he's pushing buttons and see how people react i'm really sort of pleased with our media the way they're busting his ass and the way that um that the protest protesters are coming back at it, at it, you know. So that's that's all I want to say right now. Yeah, well, good. Lot that needs to be said. Good. Well, our our guest tonight is Randy Weissman, who uh, is a resident of Florida, and he's running as a libertarian for um, governor of Florida. He's a small business owner, and I think it's going to be a banner year for libertarians. And um, looking forward to seeing what he can do in 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 Florida, and I'm going to bring him on now to talk with us about his campaign. So, hello, Randy. How are you? Hello, gentlemen. How are you all? Hi. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Uh, So, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about your campaign, why you decided to run, and I'll ask you this. um, Is there anyone else that's also running for Florida governor, or at this point, are you the only candidate? Well, at this point, I'm the only candidate, period, who is pre-filed. Of course, everybody else is making noise about, you know, whether they're on the Republican or Democrat side. No other libertarians or independents that I know of. Um, so that's right now it's just that in Florida you just pre-file. You don't actually qualify until the June before the election. Oh, okay. Oh. All right. Um, but the first so, thing, Go ahead. Okay, let's start off with this. The best thing to do is go to randywiseman.com. All my information is on there. Um, My bio, my uh, political experience, my civic engagements, uh, my platform, and all those other things are on there, some of which I'll touch on now. You know, I I was an elected Republican school board member about 20 years ago in Florida, and I've, uh, I'm, I'm involved in my church. I have uh, three great boys and uh, married to the same woman for 45 years. I own wow. a gymnastics school. Yeah, I know. Wow. 
I own a gymnastics school. Matter of fact, our school is one of the oldest gymnastics schools in the country, uh, longest running. Uh, I've been a real estate broker for a little over 30 years, and uh, I manage my own small property uh, portfolio. Um, I did run for Florida House of Representatives once and and did pretty good. I got about uh, 28%, I think, in the Republican primary, so I didn't do too bad. But my three tenets of my uh, campaign is, you know, I believe in a loving family more than anything. I think that regardless of the way the family is made up, I think strong families are, are, are is essential to maintaining a strong government. And I think I think everything should come out of that family reunion, regardless of how the family is made up. I don't care about that. I also believe in limited government. I think that if we want to have a strong economy, we need to have a limited government so they stay out of the way and let businessmen like myself uh, get things done. And... Uh, I also believe that uh, uh, personal liberty is probably the, my biggest strong point. I, I think that uh, I think personal liberty is a God-given gift, and I don't, the government doesn't need to be getting in the way of our personal liberties. I don't necessarily see laws as that. I, I know that there is a place for laws uh, for the for the betterment of the citizenry, and uh, you know, like it should be a law that you shouldn't walk out the door and kill somebody and things like that. That's fine. But as far as personal liberties, uh, where I want to put my money, uh, who I want to sleep with, who I want to talk to, all of those things are, you know, the government should have any anything to do with at all. And with that, I, I'd love to entertain some questions from you guys. You know, we don't have, I didn't ask for any questions ahead of time, so I'll answer them right off the right off the cuff. All right, Andy, do you have anything? Uh, I got a quick. Yeah, I got a quick question. All right, go ahead. ahead, I mean, how do you fund uh, government in in Florida in a libertarian platform? You know, in your ideal construct, how how do you get the the, the state of Florida funded? Well, the first thing you do is you is you lower the government involvement in the first place. Uh, you know, I, I have no problem. I don't believe like some libertarians that all taxes theft. I think that there are certain there are certain things that we need to have that that can't be taken care of by you know capitalism. If, if it can't be done by capitalism, then I think that's what the government should do. Like um, you know, police departments and fire departments and public libraries, and maybe ball fields and things like that. And obviously. Uh, having a, a defense and things like that. Those are the things that the government needs to be doing. So I don't really think you need as much money as we have to govern in the first place. And so I don't, you know, I don't like income tax. I think that's one of the stupidest ways to tax people. Uh, I have no problem with ad, ad valorem taxes and hospital taxes and, and things like that. But I think the trick is to get government to the point to where it doesn't need near as much money as it does the to, to operate. There's so I know I know all states are pretty much the same. Florida's I think the third largest state. And if you go up to Tallahassee, there are just tens of thousands of people working and tens of thousands of offices and uh, you know, land acquisition agents that work with the road department who work, you know, thirty hours a week and things like that. A lot of that stuff could be cleaned up. Mhm. 
And Florida right, doesn't Andy. have a state income tax. Florida does not have an income tax, no. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's Florida is one of. That's why we have so many professional athletes who live in Florida. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, really, um, it's true. military <laughs> retirees. So, uh, Randy, you mentioned um, that you, when you were on the school board, you were uh, as a Republican, and that you ran for um, state house in the Republican primary, and twenty-eight percent is a is a good showing for a. a primary um but uh when and and why did you decide to uh to run as a as a libertarian party candidate uh in this election instead of um your past involvement working within the GOP well you know I was always the quote brino at the uh, Republican executive committee meetings and because <laughs> I I didn't believe in some of the especially some of the social things they believed in but what finally broke the camel's back for me was this presidential election. I didn't vote for either one of those people. And uh, it just, it obviously is to the point to where the Republicans and the Democrats even get in cahoots with each other and control the debates. I, I think that needs to be broken up. And I think in Florida, we have an opportunity to do that because over the past 10 years, the Republican voter roll has, has increased by about 600,000, and the Democrats have increased by about 700,000. But all the other registered voters in Florida, the others, so to speak, over the past 10 years, they've increased by 1.2 million. So people are moving away from the parties and going more independent or libertarian or whatever because they just don't like that, that two-party system that's running everything. Do you register by party in Florida? Yes, you register by party or by – you can register uh, the major parties, the minor parties, and you can register as an independent or you can register as a no-party affiliation. But then you can't vote in primaries, right? No, you can't vote in primaries. We have closed primaries, but uh, my governor's race will be an open prime will be an open a general election with hopefully a strong libertarian challenging these guys and making them really prove that they, they deserve to have that position. And if we do it the right way, then we're going to have that 25% of registered voters that are not Republican or Democrat. And I think we're going to swing a lot of Republicans and Democrats our way too. But how, you know, how I, do you I, compare, how do you compare in your ideology to uh, somebody like Adrian Willie who ran four years ago? Well, you know, I, I have uh, reached out to Adrian, and I've, I've uh, talked to a number of his friends, and and uh, I'm, I'm not really that familiar with him. And and uh, if you go on my website, you'll see how my um, how my ideologies go through, and you know, you can see all that. And, uh, yeah, I looked at it. I liked it. Yeah, thank you. The biggest problem in Florida, obviously, is is I have to do at least two things. Uh, and one of them, besides raising as much money as I can, obviously hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, because in Florida they do offer matching funds, which I do not believe, which I do not believe in at all. I don't think taxpayers need to be paying for for political campaigns. But if that tool is out there, I'm going to take advantage of it. If I ever get elected governor, that's one of the first things I'll try to get rid of. But I'm going to mm -hmm. take advantage of that. So if I get enough money, I'll get matching funds. 
But the biggest thing for me would be getting into the debates. The same thing Gary Johnson faced. You know, if I can get in the debates, uh, I believe I can hold my own with any of these uh, people, especially some of the people who are getting ready to run. Uh, I can hold my own with all those and actually get that libertarian philosophy out there so people have a better understanding of it. Do you have any idea who's going to run for the Republicans and the Democrats? When or who? Whom? Who? Uh, well, there's rumors that John Morgan, of Morgan and Morgan, is going to run as a Democrat. He's the one that got the uh, marijuana laws basically passed in Florida. And he did a good, good job with that. And I think he was sincere in that, too, because he has a brother who is – physically challenged and, and uh, can really take advantage of medical marijuana. But the, the problem with John, Mr. Morgan is, is that he's the trial lawyer and he's, he's probably sued 80% of the people in the state. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm where not do you, sure. Where do, you, where do you put yourself on um, something like uh, the second amendment, for instance, just to pull a quite common question I like to ask. Um, well, I, I'm I'm for all the amendments. You know, well, I would say 90 percent of the amendments. You know, I I think that the state should have their sovereignty. I think we should uh, be able to own uh, our own defenses. I mean, guns and stuff. I I don't personally I don't see the reason for us to own machine guns. I I kind of have a limit there, but I think we all have a right to own a gun. We all have a right to have a free say in our state and shouldn't be shackled by the federal government. Um, I, I certainly believe in the freedom of freedom of choice and and freedom to speak my mind and freedom to go to whatever church I want to. So, how long? What part of Florida do you call home? I live in uh, Mount Dora, Florida, which is the third highest point in the peninsula, at 152 feet above sea level. And my uh, uncle lives just, there. <laughs> oh, really? Here in Mount Dora? Yeah. He does. He actually, I, I couldn't tell you where it is, but I know that's his mailing address. Well, he, it's just north of Orlando on the way to Ocala, yeah, yeah. Orlando. Yeah, yeah. He said he's not, he's not far from Disney World, he said. No. Uh, he, uh, those of us who live in Mount Dora in our little area here, we're 40 minutes from both beaches and within 40 minutes of almost all the attractions. Hmm. Well, that's pretty so, good. Okay, so you're... I've, so um, the capital is Tallahassee. That's well northwest of you, right? Well, yeah, that's the capital's up there because that was old Florida. You know, when they formed Florida, most of it, Florida was in the Panhandle and maybe down to Gainesville. You know, when the state grew in the South by itself, and you know there were many efforts to move the capital to Orlando over the past you know hundred years, but that wasn't going to work. As a matter of fact, that's why we have such a beautiful capital in Tallahassee, they decided to build so that it wouldn't be financially possible to move because they spent so much money in Tallahassee. Right. <laughs> Do you find the same problem down there that you have in California where you basically have um, from Orlando south and then you have the people in Pensacola and Tallahassee and Gainesville and Jacksonville? Do they feel like they're two different states? Uh, yeah. Actually, to a degree, yes. Uh People in Florida here say that the, the people from North Florida are Southerners and the people from South Florida are Northerners. And well, yeah, Boca Raton is the third largest city in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> well, all along that southeast coast is all a very strong Democrat, 
stronghold. The I-4 corridor going from Daytona to Tampa is is a mix, but most, I would say predominantly Republican. And then the Panhandle is predominantly Republican too. Right, and that's in the Central Time Zone part. Yeah, there are approximately forty uh, percent of our voters are Democrats, and thirty-five percent are Republicans, and twenty-five percent are other registered voters. So it's almost almost third, three, you know, thirty-three, thirty-three, thirty-three. Uh, hmm. Speaking of that north-south divide they've got there in Florida, um, I know there have been occasional. I don't know how serious, probably not terribly serious, but it's come up that uh, sometimes some politicians from the Miami area have talked about actually dividing the state and creating a, you know, a new state of South Florida or something like that. Um, you know, what, what do you, what do you think of that? Well, number one, it would, it would never happen. I've heard that before. And, you know, the only problem with them doing it, if they split the state in half, how are they going to drive to the rest of the country? Because they'd have to come through our part of the country to get anywhere else. <laughs> they, <laughs> they need to. They need. We need to stay a one one state, and we're a very diverse state, and and you know, there are a whole lot of very positive things that come out of the state of Florida, and uh, there always has been, regardless of the state leadership. Uh, but you know, we've we've had some problems with our agriculture, and we have a problem with our citrus right now with the with the what they call citrus greening and and so either way the the megapolis of south florida has a lot to do with the country folks up here in the north end and and i think when it comes down to it we all consider ourselves floridians that's nice i like that i see that you on your website you say you uh, you're pro-life in all aspects of society understanding there may be exceptions i had a question on that and then you said that um, you believe we should be environmentalists at whatever one level, whatever level one chooses. Can you elaborate on both of those? Yeah, as far as being environmentalist, obviously, you know, we all have to be environmentalists. You just don't want to, you know, burn down all the, the rainforest and things like that. Some people, you know, simply want to be – I'm an environmentalist when it comes to litter. I, I don't throw things on the ground. I pick things up off the ground. You know, I – you know, there there are minimal things that you can do to be an environmentalist, and there are there are uh, crazy crazy things you can do to be an environmentalist. But I think I don't think anybody sh- there's no shouldn't be pigeonholed as how you're going to be an environmentalist. But I think everybody should be concerned about our, our environment and protecting our natural resources. Because in Florida, the biggest issue that we have in Florida is fresh water, and and so everybody has to be involved in p- maintaining a good fresh water. Uh, in, in Florida, as far as the, the pro-life thing, and this is where I always got into uh, trouble with the Republicans and the Democrats. I'm pro-life, and I'm also against the death penalty because I'm pro-life in all aspects. I don't think human beings has the right to kill other human beings, and uh, uh, and as far as the abortion thing, where I come up to, I know that I know there are exceptions, uh, and there's exception in the death penalty. Ted Ted Bundy was an exception in the death penalty, uh, you know. Uh, but in, in, if if a, if a fetus is killing the mother as a host, then maybe that is an exception. But the point is, as long as no one else is being physically harmed, then I think people should be able to do it. The problem with abortion is not 
the fact that these women are going out and getting boarded, abortions, the problem is they're getting pregnant in the first place. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I would be all for, you know, the the sex, sexual education and things like that. And simply the biggest problem that causes abortions are guys who are just, their libido is just going so strong that they do whatever they can to get some action. And that's where a lot of these babies come from. And, you know, it's not necessarily that the mother is just going out and having babies because she wants welfare, uh, you know. But I, I think the problem is at the beginning of the cycle, not at the end of the cycle. So you think education and better access to contraception would be a better alternative, solve the problem on the front end instead of the back end? Exactly, exactly. Say, oh, you shouldn't give them, shouldn't give them uh, contraceptives because it will promote uh, sexual activity. Well, I hate to tell you, but the sexual activity is going to go on one way or the other. That's been going on for, <laughs> what, 10,000, 20,000 years. Uh, yeah, in other so words, pump them full of pump them full of Norplant till their skin goes bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an idea of government trying to interfere with people's personal decisions, you know. And government shouldn't be doing that. They should allow people to have the knowledge and the tools to live their life the way they want to live. And if they want to be promiscuous, then they need to know about how they can do it safely. Hmm. I think we would have a lot less issues about abortion if it was taken care of on the front end. I agree with that. Thank you for answering that. You're welcome. Jeffrey Sanford, right, Jeffrey. do you have anything? Yeah, Andy? I mean, you know, it sounds like, it sounds like you're in favor of um, public education. And um, that's, an, that's an interesting thing here that we struggle with in Louisiana. Uh, there are school boards in every parish. 50-something parishes across Louisiana that govern local school districts, and they get money from the feds, they get money from the state, and they've become a big business. It's a great way to get rich is if you can get a contract with the school board. Um, how do y'all deal with uh, public education in Florida in terms of, of financing it, and is it on a county-by-county basis? How how much money it goes into the public education? Is it the right amount of money? Should you spend less? Should we cut? You talking about cutting? Should we cut it? Public education? What alternatives are out there for it? Man, that's a run-on question. <laughs> um, number one, Florida in the Florida Constitution it guarantees a free uh, education for children. The state provides that, uh, and we have a very very complicated funding formula because we have the Dade, Miami-Dade County is the third largest school district in the country, and Lafayette County is the smallest county school district in the country. So we have a real strange uh, uh, formula that tends to get everybody the money they need. The problem is is that I don't feel that the money necessarily has to go to the public schools. I think that money should be going to the parents. So if parents want to homeschool, the money should go to them to help them finance their homeschool education. If they go to parochial school or Jewish school, the money should go to those places. If the parents want them to go to public school, then that's where the money should go. Hey, I love that. That's a brilliant twist on this idea of, of, um, of getting the money. You know, in Louisiana, we had a governor who has been accused of being somewhat fascist who was in favor of taking the money and giving it to the private schools 
but you say give it to the actual family for homeschooling. Give them a month cash. Yeah, every every student in Florida gets approximately, I think it's around $6,500 for their education every year. You know, so if you have a family with four kids, you get 6,500 times four, and then you just designate how you're going to spend that money. I want this money to go to this Christian academy or to this Jewish academy, or I, I, I want my money to go ahead and go to my local school, and I'll, my kid will go there. I think the money should be, that's how the money should be handled, because the Florida Education Department is another giant bureaucracy up there that that is, you know, why have school boards if they're going to try to control everything on the state level? Plus the fact in Florida, and you guys are going to love this one, uh, in Florida, elected school board members are paid, and they're paid very well. A regular school board member in the state of Florida makes anywhere from thirty-five dollars to $40,000 a year to go to two meetings a month. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's something we definitely should stop. Wow. Two meetings a month. Yeah. Go ahead. Another question in relation to this idea of boards, regulatory boards, school boards is one of the things. In Louisiana, we have over 500 boards regulating everything from these schools to the levees to the state police, the city police, the firemen, the retirements. Uh, we have them regulating different industries. Sometimes we let the, pe- the, the, the people in the uh, industry regulate themselves, as with lawyers in Louisiana. Under the, under the uh, auspices of the Louisiana Supreme Court, the, the industry regulates itself. But, in, um, you know, one of the things that, that we deal with is over-regulation by every board, you know, so that the guys that paid the most of the governor get appointed to the board, and they get to regulate everybody else in that industry. It's a contractor's licensing board, the Louisiana State Board of Medical Examiners, the cosmetology board, the forest board, you know, the board of, of masseuses, every kind of board, your dental board, every kind of thing that you ever want to do is under a board. And, you know, oh, yeah. some of these boards have been accused almost of running extortion rings where they are out to, first of all, the big boys pay the money to rep the governor. They get stuck on the board. So they use their power to, to grind out the small businesses that are trying to get in. And, and they, uh, and they extort money to fund their operations. So one of the things, the libertarian issues that we face in Louisiana is how do we get rid of this, Oppressive regulatory scheme of boards of so many boards. Have you got any thoughts about how we would get rid of these boards if you were governor of Florida? Well, I tell you one thing: we got more boards than you do, man. We probably have a board to monitor underwater basket weaving or something. Um, that that's the problem with uh, large government. Uh, there are a certain there's a certain uh, need for boards like. You know, you should have a, a medical board to make sure that doctors are registered and, uh, you know, hooked in with their code of ethics, and the same with lawyers, and, you know, the same with barbers, make sure they're certified. But, but the boards go way too far, like you said, in their authority. Now, Florida does, uh, in government, does have a little bit of a better deal because we, only, we have 67 counties, therefore we only have 67 school boards, and we have 67 county commissions. So that 
streamlines things a little bit. I know in Texas there's like 600 school boards or something crazy like that. So, but yeah, the the best thing to do would be to if you got into the position where you could change it, you simply need to look at the boards and look at the ones you really don't need and the ones you do need to streamline them so that you know public safety is taken care of. Uh, that, because that's one of the main things government should be doing, and those boards can make things safe for its citizens, but it doesn't have to, uh, you know, decide every little thing to what the barber does, you know, to the size of the scissors he wear, uses. That gets kind of crazy. Hmm. So you have you have no uh, one size fits all solution to, uh, uh, you know, the regulatory board problem. No, no, I, I have. I have no one-side-fits solution to anything. I think everything needs to be looked at and see if it has any validity in, in our government. And if it does, uh, make it so that it's efficient and gets things done right. If it doesn't have any validity, if it's there just to, you know, to pump money into the governor's coffers or things like that, we should get rid of things like that. You know, uh, well, what would you do? I'm, what would you do about a, What would you do about a board of state board of medical examiners? Who, who used their position to squeeze out doctors who were who were prescribing, you know, the same medicines that they were prescribing, but maybe from a smaller practice perspective, you know, and maybe who aren't owned by French uh, corporations that are in the business of pain management. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you got a, a multinational corporation comes in and buys one guy's practice. I'll get him on the board, pay a bunch of money to the governor, and all of a sudden they start squeezing everybody else out. I mean, it's, right. at what point in time do you say this board's got to go? You know, that's, you, that's, all these things are susceptible to being gained. That's exactly what happens. You know, we had a big doctor uh, prescription problem here in Florida. We had a number of doctors who were just practicing just to give out drugs. And, uh, you know, the, the, the medical board did get rid of them. But you're absolutely right. The, the, the stronger the board uh, is, on, the strength of the board is only based on how much, basically, how much money uh, those people on the board um, give to elected officials and things like that. When it comes down to it, and it's a big power, power and ego thing for a lot of these boards, and and um, a lot of them. And, 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 and the one that's sold out to the multinational corporation is still giving out just as much dope as everybody else. It's just that they, they, they eliminated everybody else who's giving out all the dope. Exactly. So now he's got the least. So what do you do? I mean, you, you need to have a one-size-fits-all solution. And my opinion, as a libertarian, maybe this is sliding towards the anarchist side of things, is just get rid of the damn boards. Let the people decide who they want to go to. If I want to go to a crappy doctor that kills everybody, I'll go to him. You want to go to a well, good but... doctor that went to Johns Hopkins, you go to him. That's the, that's the other side of it. Now, there needs to be a, uh, I think, a, a middle ground with that. And I, I, uh, I understand what you're saying, but I also know that I, I do at least want to know, make sure that my doctor's licensed and things like that. I think licensing boards and things like that are okay. But, but you're right. That, that it could a huge part of government could be eliminated if we simply uh, take a take a took a big look, long look at those boards. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the way Anybody I kind of look at it is, is if somebody is holding themselves out as a doctor and they're basically not, then they're then they're committing fraud on somebody, and the government has a role in preventing what amounts to fraud. I mean, it's one thing to have a bad doctor. It's another thing to have a fake doctor. 
Exactly. Yeah. A witch doctor. <laughs> we had a lot of witch doctors in Florida. You know, and same with uh, same with real estate. We've sold the Everglades like three or four times in Florida with uh, unethical <laughs> realtors. You know, so, so you know you have to keep an eye on people like that to a degree. You mean I think there was one subdivision sale. down in there was one subdivision down in Sarasota somewhere. I think it was sold. It was developed like three times. <laughs> Nobody ever. There never were any streets or anything of that. Jeez. It reminds me of a, of a famous guy whose name is on a bunch of buildings here at LSU who uh, drilled an oil well one time. It was a gusher, poosh, just blowing all up in the air 30, 40 feet. And he said, cap it. Why we got to cap it? I oversold. <laughs> yes, well, it it sounds like you're doing pretty good down there, Randy. I, I want to ask you a couple of questions because I followed um, uh, Adrian Wiley's campaign. Um, I donated to his campaign, and I was really pulling for him. Um, they completely shut him out of the process down there, and they made no bones about it. They basically said, you know, you're not a Republican, you're not a Democrat, you can't be in the debate, you can't be in this forum. And I remember they had a uh, Charlie Crist and um, the other guy, the bald-headed uh, Republican, Ike uh, Scott, Rick Scott. They ha- they had an argument at one of the debates. I think it was Charlie Crist wouldn't come out because. Um, or Rick Scott wouldn't come out because one of them had a little fan on stage to keep himself yeah. cool, and that wasn't part of the agreement. And I'm thinking, really? They they let Adrian Wiley stay home so that these two guys could argue over a friggin' fan? I mean, you know, so well, I guess what I'm going to ask you is, um, what are you planning to do differently from Adrian Wiley, if you even know, or just what are you planning to do to, to get yourself in those debates? Well, one, num- one thing we are in the process right now, we're trying to get into it early. We are forming a committee. It's our get in the debates committee. It's going to be a statewide committee of people, uh, loyal libertarians. We're going to research and find out the best way to get in the debates and then try to implement uh, strategies to get us in there. Uh, one thing in Florida with the polling is if my name gets out there, and my name is – I have fairly good name recognition in Central Florida simply because I was on the school board, and, and I was also a state, uh, statewide chairman for the Florida School Board Association, and I still have friends in Tallahassee. Um, but we're going to find out the best way to get on it, then we're going to try to implement that and um, and just see what we can, to, can do. And plus we're going to do – extremely targeted uh, vote, uh, voting contacts. And we're not, not going to spend a lot of time going around the state and talking to two or three people and things like that. We're going to try to do the rally thing. We're going to do targeted mailing. Uh, we're going to do mm-hmm. lots of phone calls. We're going to hit the bricks and walk a lot of, lot of homes. And uh, we're going to try to run as smart, efficient uh, campaign as we can. If we make enough noise, then uh, we don't know if we can get into debates, but we're, we're certainly going to make them feel really crappy if they don't let me in there. They're going to have to justify it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you're starting early. 
I, I really well, am. The big, so, go ahead. Your other question. Have um, you identified other... anybody that needs to be uh, taken out so that we can get into the debates? What? What was that, was that question? Can you re- that was a joke, but I was saying, oh. I mean, you know, if someone is trying to deny our representation by excluding our voice from the debate, isn't that truly like a reprehensible, treasonous, you know, violation yep. of everything that's American? I mean, people got killed for that shit back in 1776. I mean, if we could just shoot the right people who were trying to keep us out the debates, we'd probably get in the debate. Yeah. Well, I firmly do not endorse shooting anyone. <laughs> well, I do. But I'll tell you, what, we, what we're going to try to do is we're going to find out who, who does the polls, who asks the questions on the polls, and who are the people behind that. Because most of the polls in Florida over this general election never even mentioned anything other than a libertarian. Are you going to vote libertarian? Are you going to vote Republican or are you going to vote Democrat in the national election? Well, you, a libertarian can't answer that question. Those are the yeah, times that does not we're going to look into and see what, mm-hmm. see if we can fix that. What yes. was your other question? Well, um, my other question to you, um, and I've forgotten what it is. So... <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, well, we're not age discriminatory here. <laughs> no. Um, so um, I guess what I'll say is um, if they want to check you out, uh, if somebody in Florida who's listening, because we do have some folks from Florida who listen, um, and, and I'm sure they're they're listening tonight. In fact, I have a friend who um, is a diehard Republican who messaged me about a half hour before the show, and he said, who is Randy Weissman? And I said, tune in and you'll find out. And and I said, does this mean that you're actually thinking outside of the Republican box? And he wrote back with three little dots, which was a noncommittal answer. But it's the, it's the best I've gotten out of him um, in quite a few years. So I think people are starting to be swayed. I, I think what's been happening with Donald Trump the last few days has really made him think twice about party loyalty and all that so if if they want to check you out, they can go to randyweisman dot com, correct? Yes, and there's a link to my Facebook page on there. Okay. Do and you have Twitter? I don't want. To, uh, yeah, there's a link to my Twitter site there, and I don't want to limit it to Florida. If we're going to make enough noise in Florida, and I mean really make national noise, and and really bring the uh, Libertarian Party into the real world, uh, I'm going to need money from all over the country. Uh, exactly. You know, the libertarians. We don't have, but about, we don't have enough libertarians in Florida to finance a real campaign. As much as they do and as much as they give, it simply isn't there. Uh, you know, we don't. There's not too many three thousand dollar contributors out there who can just do those. You know, we need the big money coming in. I can accept three thousand dollars per person or business per election. And uh, we need we need that big money coming in if we're gonna really really make uh, make a statement in Florida, which I think would have a lot of impact on the entire country. Ha, have so you Andy, had a but, chance? But, uh, go ahead, I'm Andy. Going to suggest, um, that you, I, I don't know offhand who your regional representative is on the national committee, um, but if you contact them, they, 
they might be able to help us with helping getting the fundraising network and uh, suggesting other donors, but also the national party, um, I believe, can directly donate. Um, you know, up to your limit. If your limit is three thousand dollars or something, they might be able to do a, a three thousand uh, dollar transfer donation. So that that might be something worth pursuing or considering. I have. I've got the Nimrods there, and I've also uh, I'm also getting ready to contract with a uh, uh, one of our few really good libertarian fundraising experts. So hopefully he's going to be able to help help me out nationwide. But it's really shows like this. Uh, you know, and, and, and what, what Facebook pages with a lot of people who are members of it, that's the best way to get the word out that, uh, you know, myself and there are a couple of other governors races that I think that are going to be very big in the country. And we just need to make as much noise as we can, and we can't do that without money. It's That's just plain and simple. Well, I, I remembered what my question was, and I can tie it into something else I'm going to ask you. Uh, Lucas Overby ran um, in in Florida, and he had a fairly successful campaign twice. He ran in a special election and a general election. And um, one of the things he told me, and well, I was going to ask you if you'd been in touch with Lucas Overby, but one of the one of the things he told me when he was collecting money to get on the ballot, and it was a special election, he didn't know it was coming up. The guy died and who was retiring he ended up dying before his term was out and so they had this special election and he said when he contacted the libertarian party in in washington dc they basically said you know libertarians don't like to give money they don't like to be asked for money well i made phone calls for his campaign um asking for money and um I don't like to make phone calls and ask for money, but, you know, I wanted to help this guy out because I thought he was a good candidate. And I got positive responses from people. Not everybody donated, but I never had one person tell me I'm a libertarian and I don't like being asked to donate money. So I don't know where that came from. But I think if you just ask people you'll get, and you do it in the right way, you'll get money. Uh, one, one One idea that that I like that we're going to do here for a local candidate is just put it out there. If, you know, um, donate a dollar. If 10,000 people each donated a dollar, you know, mm-hmm. look what, how much money you'd have. Uh, I'd rather have a hundred dollars from each one of them, but, <laughs> I know, but I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to ask people for money, and I plan on asking people for money. And what the Libertarian Party needs to understand is that I, you know, I was a fairly strong Republican operative. And what the Libertarian Party has to understand, if they want to be a party, they've got to start acting like a national party. And national parties support their, they support their candidates. And they do what they have to do. With the problem libertarian seems, oh, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, you're not going to have a strong party unless you have a strong uh, commitment from the members of that party. Yeah, and what, one of the things that I keep hearing, hearing over and over again, like I remember once I messaged somebody that was near the top of of, of the food chain within the Libertarian Party, and I, I said, why isn't the Libertarian Party putting every cent it's got into this guy's campaign? 
And the message I got back was, because if we do that for him, then everybody else is going to expect us to do that for them, and we don't have that kind of money. And I'm thinking, well, then get it. Yeah. I mean, get that kind of money. I agree. And I'll tell you right now, since we're talking about money, uh, anybody who would like to mail me a check, you can mail me at Randy (laughs) Wiseman, P.O. Box 528. Mount Dora, Florida, 32756. Or you can go to my uh, website to contribute, and you can pay through your credit card through PayPal. And uh, Mm -hmm. I promise that whatever money you send me will be spent very efficiently and properly, and we're going to do the best that we can to get as many votes for uh, for the bang for the buck as we can get. Well, great. Hey, Randy, give, give, do um, us a favor and, and publish the names of the people that are behind keeping us off the debate and keeping us uh, uh, off the ballot. And, uh, I mean, not, not so much in uh, Florida, but in Ohio, they won't even let the libertarians on the ballot. And I think that but, if we put the names out there, we would have enough crazy son of a bitches to give them hell to where they know there was a consequence for taking away our right to representative government. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. So, all right, Randy. Well, we enjoyed we enjoyed having you on tonight, and we're gonna have you back, I'm sure, before um, you get elected um, to be Florida's governor. And um, so, uh, thanks again for coming on, and we look forward to having you back soon. Well, I appreciate you guys. You all sound like a lot of good guys, and I think in general most. All of us libertarian people are good people, and uh, I just want to end with everybody to um, I just hope they have a good, decent life, and God bless all the libertarians out there, and God bless uh, the state of Florida and our country. Thank all you, right. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, so uh, before we um, head off into the sunset here um, on this uh 30th of uh, January. Jeffrey, you said you wanted to ask Andy something um, before the show yeah. ended, and we have we have just about 15 minutes. All right, Andy, do you, do you think that there is a legitimate uh, argument that, that Trump is trying to, 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 to he's testing the waters for maybe trying, I mean, I, I read an article today on medium.com that said it's a, it's a prelude to a coup, it, that Trump is testing the water for a coup, uh, and by that I take it to mean where he can take uh, executive power to the exclusion of, you know, legislative and judicial power. But I mean, yeah. do you think that there's there's actual conspiracy to to, to 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 take this, you know, the reins and and do something from an executive standpoint that that is not contemplated by the Constitution. Well, yeah, I mean, I think uh, that there's probably some merit to the idea that, that Bannon, uh, who seemed to have been the prime mover behind this, was kind of trust, testing the waters. I mean, um, oh, somebody put it on Twitter that it felt like a dry run for a constitutional crisis. Um, and that kind of struck me as probably very true. Um I mean, I don't think it's so dramatic as anything I would call a coup. Um, but 
I do think that, yeah, there's certainly, uh, uh, you know, there's certainly no getting. I, mean, I think I think that, that, that they are definitely, part of the model of this probably was to kind of make it chaotic and push the envelope and, you know, how far can we go and get away with it sort of. Um, as for whether or not Trump himself, I mean, that's, Kind of the eternal question is, is Trump, you know, super villain, villain genius or just kind of ignorant id walking around? <laughs> yeah, somebody, either either he is super genius or Bannon is super genius or it's just a, you know, it's just a paradigm shift in the, the federal government as, to get away from this status quo that we've got, which I think uh, most of us would agree with. And that, I guess that's the most hopeful assessment is that they are, um, they are just shifting away from what has failed to work for so long. And they're probably doing a lot of stuff wrong because, I mean, you don't just venture out into uncharted waters without doing a lot wrong. But I guess there is still the hope, and I know there is still the hope, among a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I discuss these issues with, that not even the hope, the strong belief that Trump is doing what he said he was going to do, and, and may, while he may not be doing it the best he could he could do, he's doing, I mean, the best that it could be done, he's doing it the best that he can do, considering the challenges that are facing him. In terms of big government institutional roadblocks. Yeah. Um, well, I just I feel like um, things things are only going to get worse. Um, I mean, Trump's in a Twitter war right now with the Pope, and literally, um, the Pope really just needs to. Um, to say nothing. Um, he really, he 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 really does. He just he the Pope Trump needs to have stop. Said nothing. Well, that Trump I have mean that's. Nothing. I mean Trump saying nothing is you know is like asking Nancy Pelosi not to be stupid. I mean it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> um, um, you know, I mean, seriously. <laughs> You know, I mean, so, you know, it's like this whole thing with Uber today where because Uber didn't shut down in New York City, all the cab companies said, well, they crossed the line, you know, and Uber's probably sitting there saying, well, we have a right to do that. Well, you do, but if you know there are a bunch of people out there that are going to start boycotting Uber, and you know that's going to happen, then maybe you want to take that into consideration and say, yeah, we, I know that's what we could do, but do we want to suffer this consequence? And it's the same thing with Trump. You know, Trump should not be doing this, but he is. He's like a child. He's like a baby, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he throws a temper tantrum, and he can't, he, can't, yeah, he that, literally that is, cannot that help is, it. That is, that's the malignant narcissism that came out about him a couple of days ago. They had some kind of a Johns Hopkins top psychologist broke the code 
PCG, where you know they're not supposed to diagnose people they haven't personally interviewed. And he said that's what he's got. And a lot of people say, oh, it's obvious that's what he is, a malignant narcissist. You know, and, and, and yeah, I mean, you know, he, you know, he's deeply flawed. Just the way he responds to everything, it's like his his I mean, his here, heart here, is tied to Twitter. Here, you know. Here's the thing, and I'll use Andy as an example. If Andy got on Twitter and criticized Trump, and Trump saw it, Trump would go after Andy like there was no tomorrow, and I'd be sitting here going, it's Andy Craig. What can he do to Trump? But but there's mm-hmm. Trump going going after Andy, you know, because he just can't stand it. And I think he likes it. I think he, I think he sits in his computer and he looks on Twitter. Who's talking about me now, so that I can, mm-hmm. so that I can, you know, so that I can bitch slap them, and you know, <laughs> and, and and most of the time they end up slapping him back harder than he did them. I mean, he he said the Pope has no right to question his Christianity. Well, you you know what I would say to that? Probably he's correct because the Pope's not an American citizen, but we do. We have the right to question it, and I do. So I just well, don't. I don't, I don't blame see you for this that. ending well. I don't. I don't see this no. ending well. Um, what I see happening is I basically see the White House having a meltdown. And what I basically see, and this is bad, but I see um, uh, what's the guy's name from Breitbart Bannon. Stephen Bannon. Stephen K. I see him pretty, yeah, I see him pretty much pulling the strings, and that's not a good thing. We do not need that guy. I mean, regardless of whether you believe the stuff about things that he said and things that he's done, I mean, he's he's not a stable guy, which is probably why he and Trump are so attracted to each other. Hey, John. Um, do you think? Do yes. you think that our liber- don't you believe on some level that our libertarian agenda will be furthered under this Trump Bannon chaos situation? On some level, do you feel like at the end of the day, at four years from now, our candidate is going to be sitting a lot higher than three percent? You know that, that we absolutely that our yeah. That our congressman might be getting a lay, and he's going to win, you know, next time. You know, that we're going to have if, people if, winning if, races. If there's in even two a years. country, if there's even a country left in four years, the libertarians are, are not going to be the crazy uncle that comes over at Christmas. I can tell you that. They elected. <laughs> they, they elected. You know. Oh, and the, Andy, I wanted to ask you this: Did you see the thing that um, that? Rudy Giuliani said on on he was being interviewed and he talked about the Muslim ban. Did you see that? Oh, right, right, right. Which, they said I mean, it was definitely a Muslim ban. Uh, they talked about well, yeah, the it Trump came sure in and said, ban. you know, how do I make the Muslim ban legal? And it's like it's just so disingenuous for Trump defenders and the administration and Trump himself to object to people calling it a Muslim ban when that's the campaign promise he made and is pointing to this as its, you know, fulfillment of that. Uh, I think well, I what he see, was going to do not even six months ago. So yeah, I mean, we'll see what I think. Accurate terminology. It's, 
it's they came up with it. They put that label on it. Yeah, and see what I think as far as Rudy Giuliani goes is what I I didn't watch the whole clip because the phone rang and I had to stop it. But what he was getting at with what little I saw was that Trump came to him and said, how do we do this legally? And he and he was basically saying, you can't do it legally. There's no way to do it legally. And so basically what I think he was trying to say was, I talked him out of actually doing a full Muslim ban because he can't do it legally. You know, that's what he was trying to get across on the news uh, based on what I saw. But I mean, yeah, I think you're you right know, about that. And, and, well, that is part of the crazy thing about this is kind of as extreme and sweeping and, and bizarre as, as what his order is, in his mind it's a compromise. He's like, you know, oh, look, <laughs> look I, didn't, I didn't ban people from all these other countries. I didn't, I didn't make it an explicit religious test. So, mm-hmm. like, he thinks, that, he thinks that's compromising. Well, the, they're they're saying now that the reason he didn't put some of those other countries on the list is because it's countries that his businesses have dealings with. Well, it is. It is countries his his business has dealings with. Exactly what it is. I think that's so, part of it, but maybe also, I mean, I think it, it's also it's a list of countries that don't have the diplomatic standing to effectively fight back either because they're hostile like Iran or they're we I and mean, that's part of the other thing that's weird about this is we're lumping in governments that we militarily support that we recently installed with governments that we're hostile to and don't recognize because you know like Iran. It, that's a weird thing, you know. That kind of contradicts the whole bind the U.S. has had diplomatically ever since the Iraq War and the government we put into Libya, and there's some kind of like transitional government that we helped install in Somalia too. Um, Andy, that's the brilliant kind of analysis. That's what we need to hear from you, man. That's where you see the hypocrisy. That's where you know it's all corrupted up. When you when you point something like that out, it's it's so obvious, you know. That, that it's it's just a it's it's a it's a grandstand, and it's something else than what it, it claims to be. And when you see that, we don't know exactly what the motivation is by these guys, but we know it's not what they claim it is. So it's corrupt. It's wrong. It's important that we beat it. It's important that we dig in deeper. And it's important that we win. So that's a great point right there. Yeah. How do you anyway? Well, (laughs) yeah. But anyway, I I think it's about time to um, to head out for tonight. And. It's been a good show. I enjoyed having our candidate on, and I look forward to um, to um, our next show. We're going to have um, Sarah Daggers on the program to talk with us, and oh. she's going to have a great she's going to have a great topic. So it'll be interesting to hear from her, and then maybe after that, I want to put in a plug for the John Barkley for Virginia House of Delegates campaign. Um, 
just want to say that the special election is coming up on February 7th. There's a meet and greet tonight at the Patrick Henry Pub in Church Hill, if you can make it. Uh, I'll be heading there in just a few moments. So um, Mm -hmm. we might have John Barkley on as their newly elected libertarian delegate in the next few weeks. So we'll keep you updated on that. Anyway, gentlemen, it's been fun. You guys have a good night. And um, hopefully the country will not be destroyed by the time we come back to this program. Um, (laughs) We can only only hope. You never know what somebody said today. You never know what Trump's going to do next, and I'm really worried he's going to nuke the place. So (laughs) we'll see. All right, guys, have a good night. I don't don't, – Andy, yeah, good job, guys, everybody. Thanks. All right. You guys have a good, good night, night, everyone. Stay safe. Take care. Bye.